0: Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and several films up for review this week. There are a ton of films that are coming out on Christmas, so I'm actually getting ahead of a few of them, so you won't be able to see them until next week, but I just want you to be aware of them and be able to make some informed decisions. So without further ado, here's We're Watching What? First up is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom which is based on the play by August Wilson which is a part of his century cycle and okay, uh, I'm just gonna be very honest about this. I don't know if I got this film and I don't know if that's just because it is about an experience that I cannot be a part of. It's very much about the black experience. I don't know if it's because that it's a stage play that has been adapted and I think there are very few stage plays that really are successfully adapted. I would say the same for Fences Which was also one of his that was adapted a couple years ago. I would say the same for things like musicals, like The Prom. There's something about the idea of being in a live theater and the performance is captivating you and also not letting you look away because this does deal with some challenging material. And it stars Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis. And I think they're both very good in it, but it's very hard in this era of streaming when your phone is right there or you're watching, you know, on a small television. And there are these scenes that I was sitting there and I was thinking, if I was in a live audience and Chadwick Boseman was performing this in front of me right now I think I would be moved to tears because in some ways you know they can address the audience right even if you're looking out into the audience and you don't have to be breaking the fourth wall to do it but you can do it in a way that is just captivating and there was some sort of barrier or disconnect by the camera being there and it's such a disappointment to me and I don't usually do this, but I was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes breakdown of critics versus uh, audience reactions, and that's not to say that Rotten Tomatoes is the be-all, end-all, and the way they calculate their reviews is not the most clear thing. Like, I don't think people realize how the process, you either can only rate it rotten or fresh, which means there are a lot of nuances to the reviews that get lost, right? Because if you're rating on a number scale, it doesn't reflect that. And maybe if you thought it was an okay film, but not bad enough to give a rotten rating, it's still going to calculate it as this, oh, it's outstanding type thing. So just a little context there. Critics absolutely love this and absolutely love Fences, but the audience reactions are not quite as glowing. And I sometimes feel like, and again, I'm just being very honest here, that critics are afraid to say that they just don't quite connect with a film like this because it is clearly such an important piece of history and it is clearly like Ma Rainey is also a real figure which I didn't know going into it again I'm being very very vulnerable here and admitting some of my knowledge gaps but you know it was it was fine it was fine there were a lot of moments where I was like this escalated very quickly that I didn't feel like it was necessarily motivated or portrayed in a way that was motivated also for a film called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom It was mostly a lot of men talking, and I think I was expecting Viola Davis to have a bigger—like, her scenes are great. I think she's actually the strongest part of the film for me, and I know there's a lot of uh, attention being drawn to the fact that this is one of Chadwick Boseman's last films, and I do think he's very good in it, but— the, it swings back and forth very quickly between highs and lows and highs and lows and I just, I you know, maybe it was just because of the time of day I watched it or because I hadn't gotten much sleep when I watched it, but it just didn't quite connect to me and I think unlike something like The Prom, which I watched last week and was like, I think if I'd seen the stage play or the musical of this, I wouldn't have liked it anyway. This, I'm like, no, I could, I could see it. I could see being able to look past that and also the, the pacing, like it felt like they were trying to cram this in really quickly and, and I don't know if it's a stylized, intentional thing and everyone's talking so fast because it does take place in the 20s, but it felt a little bit rushed to me. And that's not to say I don't see the merit and the value in the overall conversation and criticism and commentary. It's providing on the experience that these characters are having and how relevant that experience also is today. You know, they are existing in a system that is just built on oppression. And we have not taken enough steps to correct those systems and those wrongs from the 20s and from even earlier than that, right? Like stemming way, way back. But that all being said... It just, it didn't work as a film for me. Another thing I want to say is if you are going to adapt something to the screen, there needs to be a reason for it to be on the screen, right? You should take advantage of the lack of constraints that a theater provides, right? You suddenly have all these sets and locations you can go to. But then when you were acting as if this could have taken place in a stage play, it's one of those moments where I'm like, well, why not just film a stage play? You know, like, why, why why are you making this into a film? It's a fine film. I do think you need to be in a certain frame of mind to see it. It's not a light film, you know? I, I also, again, I think my biggest disappointment with it is that it's a film called Ma Rainey. And I thought Viola Davis. Davis was just underutilized in it and I wanted to see more of her story but you know it's not exactly a, a roaring week in terms of content to watch so it's fine especially because you already probably have Netflix but that being said I would I would say maybe don't feel bad if you do not love this film this is another one of those films where I feel like people feel obligated to love it that's why the Rotten Tomato stuff is also always so dangerous right because I'm like well what if I don't love it right like I'm not saying it's a rotten film by any means but I'm not gushing over it. And that's, uh, you know, that should be okay. It should be okay to have a different experience in a film like this. So I personally am only gonna give it three and a half out of five, but I would be very open to a discussion or a rewatch if somebody could reframe it for me and maybe help me, help enlighten me because I started doing research on, you know, what, what does this mean? What What is the greater context that this play exists in? But that doesn't mean this film exists in that greater context, if that makes sense. And then completely, completely and utterly switching gears. Monster Hunter technically comes out in theaters today, and I'm going to do this review, you know, for the the theatrical version, but I do believe it's going to be available to purchase, I would assume soon, because you're not gonna go to a theater anytime soon. And there's a ton of stuff coming for the holidays, so I'm just gonna get this out of the way. Well, video game adaptations, much like play adaptations, very rarely go right. And I guess, you know, we had Sonic the Hedgehog this year, of all things, that maybe proved you can do it, but Monster Hunter was, it was something else. I do think that under the right set of circumstances, this could have been so bad that it would have been fun to go with a group of people in a theater, you know, that shared experience of just laughing at how bad it is. And the other thing is, there were elements where I was like, oh. This maybe actually could have been good. And I should say, so Monster Hunter is based on a video game. I played the last one a lot last year. And the creatures and the creature design in this are spectacular. I think they they come straight out of the game, right? I was just like, oh, this makes me want to play the game again because that's a Black Diablo and that looks like what a Black Diablo would look like if it was transported into a real world. It stars Mila Jovovich, Ron Perlman, Tony Jaw, T.I., well, <laughs> people, okay, T.I., This is the challenge for me. So, it starts off, Mila Jovovich is our leader, she's a military woman, badass, blah, 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 we get it. But our very first introduction to this film is Mila's character. She's a soldier, she's in charge of this troop of actually very multicultural and uh, mixed gender soldiers, and what she says to them is, all right, ladies, saddle up, and in a very, you know, essentially antiquated, derogatory way. And one of her troops says, she's a woman, but she still manages to make that sound like an insult. I'm like you don't need that in this film. Nobody's going to question whether or not her character is a badass, right? Like you don't need to set this character up in this demeaning way. Like that that from the start put a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, oh, this film is not in the hands of someone who I want to support. And it's it's just mind-boggling to me because Paul W.S. Anderson, the director, and Mila Jovovich are married, and, you know, they did Resident Evil together, which is another video game adaptation, which, I, you know, it's not great either, but I think it is probably one of the better ones. But I'm like do you just like not respect your wife? Do you not think that she can pull off this badass like doesn't give a damn character without having to make her put down other women essentially? Like I don't I don't understand what place this has in a film like this. And then I made the mistake of Googling this film a few minutes into it because I was like, oh, what's the thing called? And the first thing that comes up is this film got pulled from China because I've kind of it had a, a basically racist joke about, you know, an Asian character goes, what type of knees are these? Chinese. And I'm like, okay, that's not, you know, it's not great. It's not the most racist thing in the world. It would have been bad if they weren't a Chinese character. I don't know if they're actually Chinese. But but then there was a whole issue with the way it got translated was actually pretty offensive and so the you know Chinese audience is boycotted and I'm like how did you mess this up in a time where the only theaters that are open really are international markets and China is a huge market and this also clearly had Chinese funding involved how did you mess this up so badly that you are offending you know Asian people that you are not being kind to women like what you are not being kind to women but you also have this badass female protagonist like how did you screw this up so badly? I, I you know it was mind-boggling to me and then all of that aside I was like okay let me just watch the film it's not great there's not a lot of plot you the name says it all they're hunting monsters it's just action it's hard to watch on a small screen in that way they're very expository with the plot and then we just go into action i think tony ja is enjoyable in it he is of course an excellent action star you might know him from Ong Bak uh, you know he's also in Triple X but but you yeah, know it's just I kind of wanted to like it going in. I either wanted it to be so bad that it was enjoyable or I wanted it to surprise me and be amazing and it was neither of those things. And to add to that the moments of cultural insensitivity or gender insensitivity, I was just like, all right, I can't recommend this to anyone really. The thing I would do is maybe recommend the Monster Hunter games and I would congratulate the VFX team on their amazing work with the monsters, but that is where this ends. So I cannot in good conscience recommend this film for the variety of reasons I've outlined. I, <laughs> the only other thing is I guess I don't think I've ever seen Ron Perlman without a beard or like some forming of a beard and so that was very weird to see the plot just no plot there's no plot and also the ending is wow it's just something so I had pretty low expectations going in but it just was not good so I'm only going to give this two out of five I'm going to take a quick break and be right back and as I mentioned, a ton of movies are going to come out on Christmas, so I'm going to get ahead a little bit of some of the reviews, because you're going to have a lot of choices. So I want to talk about a film called One Night in Miami. It's going to come out on Amazon, and it is Regina King's directorial debut, and it is actually also based on a play, and it's based on a play by Kemp Powers. Kemp Powers has two films coming out on Christmas, and one is One Night in Miami, and the other is he he's a co-director on Soul. So... Congratulations, Kemp Powers, you are about to win Christmas. I watched it a while ago, and it is a fictional telling of a a night in, one night in Miami that brings together the real-life characters of Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke, it takes place after a fight between Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston, and To to quote one of the characters, this is the worst celebration party ever, so don't go into this expecting this to be this wild, raucous night where all these, you know, very famous historical figures are going out and doing whatever. This is another one that is sort of constrained to a location, but, uh, you know, I appreciate that they took advantage of things like they show a fight, you know, and my god, the guy who plays young Muhammad Ali, Eli Gorey, is well cast. And then Kingsley Ben-Adir plays Malcolm X. And while, yes, I do think he does a good job of embodying Malcolm X, I just could not stop seeing Barack Obama. And he has played Barack Obama. He played Barack Obama in the Comey Rule. And he just, there's this the structure to his face, the way his ears work. Malcolm X definitely defined, I think, by the glasses in terms of how we perceive him in this, not caricaturized, but the way history has sort of memorialized him. But Man, I was just like, oh, it's, it's. I'm glad he's already played Barack Obama because if he hadn't, that would have been a total casting waste. I think what this film is trying to do is actually very similar to what Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is trying to accomplish in terms of, you know, this is a commentary on the responsibilities of being a representative of a community, especially because this is about a bunch of public figures in the case of One Night in Miami. And then obviously Ma Rainey was a public figure, but the fact that that one focused on the men who were not as f- at the forefront, but this one is focusing on people who are at the forefront – like that—that that just makes more sense to me. And you know, one night in Miami would probably not exist without Ama Rainey's Black Bottom play to play. So I, I totally acknowledge that. But there was just something more successful about this to me. And the friendships and the interpersonal relationships between all these figures, again, it's confusing to refer to them as characters because they were also people, but I'll call them characters. Between these characters felt very authentic to me in that you don't know how authentic the relationships in your life are. Sure, Muhammad Ali, greatest boxer of all time, and he's questioning whether or not his friendships are true friendships because, you know, are these people just trying to use him for something? But I do think the idea of hey, are we actually connected as much as I think we are? Or are we sort of thrown together by circumstance or whatever it may be like that is something that can be globally relatable. I think insecurity, unless you're very lucky and very self-confident is something that we've all grappled with at points. And then both films talk about ambition a lot. And of course, working within a system that is not designed to be advantageous for the protagonists, right? Like be it music or football or TV or, well, I guess music also in the case of Ma Rainey's, you know, black artists were not set up for success. People of color are not set up for success. I would say even more, women of color are not set up for success in Ma Rainey's, but they don't even talk about that. And that, again, such missed opportunities. So if you had to pick between the two, which you don't actually have to because Ma Rainey's is already out and One Night in Miami comes out on Christmas, I would have picked One Night in Miami. I think it's just a slightly more relatable, Maybe also because it is slightly more modern and the cadence of the dialogue might just be a little more digestible for us as a modern audience and it it acknowledges that and it doesn't try to over stylize. That, that, That just made it a slightly easier viewing experience to me but I do think they are kindred spirits and you know. Congrats to everyone involved in it. I don't know if enjoyed is the right word for it, but I definitely appreciated One Night in Miami. So again, there are still a couple challenges with it being an adaptation in that some of it does tend to fall into this sort of monologue pattern of speaking where they're just sort of uh, soliloquizing at each other even though they're in the same room together and speaking. But I think it falls into that trap slightly less than Ma Rainey's did. So I'm going to give it 3.9 out of 5. And then the other film I want to talk about is Promising Young Woman which comes out in limited release on Christmas but this was I think one of my favorite films of the year. I'd heard about it really early on this year and I was like don't overhype your expectations because uh, this seems like a film that would speak to you and you don't want to set yourself up for failure and thankfully I think it exceeded my expectations in part because I was like I don't know what the plot is going to be and so I'm not going to talk a lot about the plot because I think it's more enjoyable if you just go along the journey I would summarize it as it's a film about female agency, which is not something we get a lot these days. And it's handled in just a really interesting way. Carrie Mulligan stars and is supported by Laverne Cox, Bo Burnham, Clancy Brown, Jennifer Coolidge, Christopher Mintz-Platt, Molly Shannon, uh, Alison Brie, Connie Britton. It's it's just a really oh my god! it's just it's so interesting. And there are points where I was like, oh, this is about to dip into something stereotypical, or this is just going to it's going to lose me. It's going to lose me, and it did not lose me. The whole film, I really. Really enjoyed it. Also, whoever thought to cast, also whoever thought to cast Beau Burnham as a romantic lead and Jennifer Coolidge in, I think the most sort of toned down performance I've seen her in, in years. And she was great. Clancy Brown as the dad. It just, everyone was unexpected. And I think the other thing I will say is it gave me hard candy vibes, like very hard candy vibes, which was a, which was a great film from 2006 with Elliot Page and Patrick Wilson and Sandra Oh, but don't Google the plot before you see this. I know I will be discussing this more once people have had an opportunity to see it, but I just really want to encourage people to. To go see it. I think it was really just interesting in this year of films that are more often than not middling. So I'm going to give this 4.5 out of 5. That is it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you could leave a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.